You're listening to the Reconciling Hope Podcast, where the leadership team of Gospel Hope Church discusses how the Bible transforms our beliefs, actions, and impacts our relationship with God and with others. So this was week two of our series on reconciliation, or Reconcile, we call this series. And what was interesting about this series is we preached it together, Rod. So that was a lot of fun. I look yeah. forward to trying that again, Lord willing, sometime next year. So I want to jump right in. We've got some kind of weighty issues to cover that were raised as a part of this. And as we went through the passage this week, we, we saw Paul as really a model of a bridge builder. And so we, we pulled out some points on how we saw Paul building bridges of reconciliation. And the first thing that you highlighted, I thought was, was deeply important. And it, it, it was this, this idea of recognizing both grace and gaps in people. So Rod, why is that such an important skill? And what does it mean to recognize both grace and gaps when you're trying to build bridges of reconciliation? Yeah, so, you know, oftentimes when we're trying to connect with others, um, the ability to just be equitable in our, or or un, as unbiased as we can try to be, is to be able to recognize both the good or the usefulness in something that someone may be doing or saying, or the grace where they have they have worked positively. In this case, it was Philemon, great love for the Lord, great love for the church. Um, and then in the case, and but then he had gaps. There was this area where his character or maybe his theology, or he had an opportunity to really kind of become a little bit more refined in the way he viewed brotherhood in Christ. And so all of us have those pockets unless we're absolutely perfect. And so as bridge builders, it becomes super important that for those that we are pursuing reconciliation with, that we can be gracious as well as, you know, speak the truth in love. And speaking the truth in love uh, is being gracious as well as being able to recognize where there are some opportunities for improvement or opportunities to move closer to the gospel, not necessarily move closer to me and my positions. And so I think um, that was just an attitude Paul mm-hmm. modeled here, uh, and I would just from as a message bearer that I believe he got it from the Lord Jesus Christ, who is able to build some bridges in the most risky mm-hmm. situations. Yeah, it, it, it's it's almost like even in our very divisive political cycle right now, that believers should neither demonize nor idolize either candidate, right? And just say, hey, wherever you're at on this continuum, man. Not everything is terrible about this other candidate. There's some things I disagree with. There's some things that I wish would change, but not everything is terrible. And being intellectually honest enough to recognize some grace while at the same time recognizing some gaps. I I think that's a beautiful, uh, beautiful point that you made there that both grace and gaps exist in everyone. Absolutely. And the refusal to believe that any one of us could not have gaps as well as grace is to be mm-hmm. supremely self-righteous. If you just think about that, you t- you you got to be awfully self-righteous to not think that there are some opportunities for improvement or refinement in our perspective or to know that we don't have room to grow or there's something that we're missing. And so mm-hmm. I think if we can come in with that standing conviction or that predisposition, man, would it be helpful in some of our most strained relationships and need reconciliation, but also tee us up well to be some really uh, to be really effective bridge builders uh, mm-hmm. in our own um, in our own communities in our own social circles. Yeah, so, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. So 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 hey, 
with that, you know, Ryan, I would, you know, just kind of turn and just think about, um, you know, in the message as well, you know, you brought out that, you know, community is super important in developing a heart toward uh, reconciliation. I thought we, we both kind of struck on that core, but kind of what are your thoughts around that? You know, for the community in that. Yeah, um, wh what we can tend to do um, if we're not in relationship with people who think or act differently is just canonize our own position. Um, what we do is we kind of gather the choir and then preach to them. Right. And that's not really being a bridge builder at all. That's just, you know, further establishing what we think and providing an echo changer. But, but yeah. what community does for us is it gives us a more accurate self-perception. Um, namely, in order to see myself clearly, I need other believers to surround me and allow me to speak into issues in biblically informed ways. You know, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And when my heart is deceptive, it doesn't fool Rod, it fools me. And so that's why I need other people in my life in order to enable me to negotiate uh, blind spots, gaps that I may have in my heart as we're talking about them. So I think community is critical to prevent us from really behaving and demonizing people who think or act differently than we do. Yeah. On the same topic of, of reconciliation and demonizing others and avoiding that, you talked a great deal about what I guess we call the reconciliation reflex. Mm -hmm. And that reconciliation reflex should drive us to address real issues the right way. Mm -hmm. While you were preaching it, and even now I can't help but think about this iconic or classic skit that Dave Chappelle gave us some years ago around when keeping it real goes wrong. And how there is just a reflex in our culture to keep it real, but they forget mm -hmm. the other part of the skit, that there are oftentimes when keeping it real is noble, but it goes wrong. Why does keeping it real often go often so off so often go wrong? Yeah. So l let me kind of address two kind of impulses when we see issues. So if you see an issue that really resonates with you, you know, it, it, it's it's your issue du jour that um, impacts you directly or impacts people you care about directly. Sometimes we could see that issue and then just immediately respond. This is the keeping it real. Just respond in whatever comes to our mind, first of all. And, and that's not healthy because, you know, the Bible says, let everyone be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. The reason is, is often our initial impulse can be sinful. And so we need to slow down if that's our tendency. The other kind of typical response is that you see an issue and it doesn't resonate with you. It hasn't been your experience or it's not in your community. And so you say, well, that's not an issue at all. Well, I think James again speaks to it. Be quick to listen. Well, listen, really try to understand what's going on there and then be slow to speak and slow to become angry. So respond to real issues, acknowledge that real issues exist, but then respond to them in godly ways. Both of those things are critical. Um, don't ignore the issues. Don't pretend like they're not real, but then respond in ways that are godly. And if all of us would adopt kind of that policy, I, I think, man, some tremendous bridges would be built because we're coming at it. And, and many people are saying, Hey, you need to respond. Right. And many people are saying you need to respond in some way. Well, okay, let's come together, acknowledge the issue and say, 
we need to respond to real issues in the right way. Yeah. Uh, for instance, you know, you know, Ryan, if you were to come to me with an issue, you know, we know each other, we're brothers, we serve in 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 in, in Christ together, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody knows the script. But if you were to come to me and address an issue, attack, attack an issue, well, attack, and I couldn't distinguish between you attacking me or the issue, my mm -hmm. guard automatically goes up and I become right. an apologist. I've de I develop an apologetic toward me and this. The two become mm -hmm. part and parcel together. And it's like, I, what do you think about this? Sometimes I feel like we fail to do the homework of seeing where the issue is versus where the individual that we're talking to is. Yeah. Who yeah. they are versus what the issue is. We also fail to do the other piece of cultural homework, I'd call it, in um, understanding, like, uh, if I have an issue, um, like, what's the, for us as a church, what's the gospel issue in this? Yeah. I get it. I, like, I get it. It's, it has a practical implication, but what's the gospel issue? And I think if we're both attacking that, I don't know. It takes it off of you coming at me. You're mm -hmm. you're you're drawing me closer into a better reflection of the gospel. I I, I said mm -hmm. a lot and lay, layered a question in there, but I don't know thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a couple of pithy statements that um, you know I, I they didn't originate with me, but I think they're really helpful. One is we should attack the problem, not the person. Mm -hmm. um, and and just like you said, Rod, rather than you and I standing face to face and attacking one another, pointing the fingers this way. We should get along side by side and point at the problem and say, let's work on that together. And then your agenda is to win the person, not win the argument. Right. And that's what we're really talking about. That's the reconciliation reflex. We're saying, man, I, I want our relationship is not right. Let's get our relationship right. There's the problem. Let's work together to solve it. And then we can be brought closer together rather than being like, aha, no, aha, <laughs> no, I win. And and nobody wins in that situation. Um, nobody wins because we're furthering divides rather than building a reconciliation reflex. Yeah, yeah. We we brought up the um, the presidential debates during during the message, but was there any other, or it maybe even captured that? Was there any other like key cultural moment that you were thinking about that made this idea of need to develop? reconciliation reflex is so important. Yeah, I, I think just the overall tenor of our culture is really about scoring points for your side right now. And mm -hmm. I mean, that was true in the debates, it seemed in the, in the brief few moments that I watched it. And, and yeah. it's true across the board. But as believers, I, I don't think that's how we should approach these matters because we care not about winning points, but we should really care about people hearing and knowing Jesus more deeply. And so let me, let me kind of kick that back to you. H how did you see this passage both theologically and through the Apostle Paul's actions? How does this passage display the reconciling hope of the gospel? Yeah, I... I... I saw the great work of a mediator um, mm -hmm. there in, in Paul, and it just reminds me that, man, if I'm willing to elevate my perspective, if I'm struggling to reach a point of reconciliation, I need to look higher 
Rather than look at my brother, I need to look higher. Let me look at the Christ and reminisce and how he he reconciled me with the Father when I was at my greatest distance and that I can Mm. experience something of that in my relationship with my fellow man. Um, Mm. And I was just, that that made me hopeful that there is no greater gap than the one that we had with God himself and that Christ is the one who who built that bridge, who brokered that and, 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 and made it possible. Yeah, and that's echoed in that passage we, we talked about right at the beginning in Matthew 5, where Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. And then he explains it, for they will be called the sons of God. In other words, we're like our father when we seek for peace and reconciliation. That certainly doesn't mean we throw truth out the window. Um, if you've been around Gospel Hope any time at all, you know we're not about that. But it does mean that we really can have a heart of reconciliation because we have been reconciled. We can pursue reconciliation. I mean, the other thing that that I saw there, just in the example of the Apostle Paul, uh, Rod, comment on this here, Paul's optimism about this relationship being put back together. How, How did that encourage you in terms of pursuing reconciliation? Yeah, you know, it just, uh, you know, I was sitting there looking at you, we were talking about that, his great confidence that this thing was going to turn out well. Uh, and I'm like, man, that's that's a lot of confidence. And where does it come from? That that he thinks that he's a great statesman, he writes wonderful letters, that he's got some big upper mm-hmm. hand over Philemon. No, I think his confidence is in the fact that the call to reconciliation was anchored in the example and the power of the gospel. Um, and I... It was encouraging to me as well that I can have confidence that regardless of how bleak and divided any of these issues that thro- that are thrown at us culturally here in the next, however, uh, whatever the season is, that I should have a confidence in something. And it's not my ability to articulate, to draw people to my side, but my confidence should be in the fact that, that it's God's will that people be reconciled to him and to one another. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Because, man, that was a potentially explosive issue. A- and yet Paul felt because of the work of Jesus that he could send send Onesimus back and that Philemon would not just receive him, but do even more than Paul expected. So, right. man, it, it it's a wonderful opportunity for the church right now, because I think our culture as a whole feels kind of this shade of division just over their heads at all times. And man, would to God that he would make churches like Gospel Hope, like other gospel preaching places, uh, just beacons, lighthouses amidst this fog of division where like, hey, man, these people actually love one another in spite of their differences. What a wonderful testimony to the power of Jesus to bring people together. So man, thanks, Rod. Man, this is a fun series and looking forward to kicking off Daniel here with you and diving into the idea of being exiles. So, man, we will see you all next week, Lord willing. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Reconciling Hope. Thank you for listening to the Reconciling Hope podcast. Be sure to subscribe for future content on podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Gospel Hope Church is located in Atlanta, Georgia, with the mission of making disciples who are growing in the gospel as a family while on mission. If you're interested in learning more, tune into our Facebook Live services Sundays at 11 a.m. or check out gospelhopechurch.com.